morning. Morning to the crew on Zoom, connecting in from New Zealand and Mount Martha and maybe Gold Coast. Yeah, some special, spe Jacob and Isabel cruising in, checking in on us, making sure we're behaving. We'll give you a, we'll, we'll jump on in line afterwards, let you know what's happening with Grace. We appreciate people praying for, <laughs> I'm just joking. She's like, what's going on with Grace? <laughs> well, I guess we're about to find out. Is it, I was just testing it just to see, you know, it's like, what did you do? <laughs> that question is like, oh, the face says it all. <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway, hey, I'm grateful for some things this morning. I'm, uh, I'm grateful for a family of people who uh, isn't a church thing, but is a Jesus thing. You know, it's a really good thing to put at the heart of what we are, a relationship with a Jesus that is. And in that sense, you know, we're not coming to something to serve. We're coming to someone to serve. You know, we're not coming to something to build. We're coming to someone to be built. You know, and I'm just so grateful for something that uh, is focused on Jesus and wants to put him in his place, in our lives, in our church, in our work, in, in all the things that we do. I'm, I'm so grateful for that. Um, coming out of this week, I'm really grateful for, uh, um, for a, uh, a broad family to be a part of, a really acts global, you know, denominations are an interesting thing, and I don't know how we found our way. Well, I know how we found our way, but, you know, I'm really grateful for Wayne Swift, who's the national leader of Axe Global, and I know lots of people here don't have an opportunity to even know really who he is, and that's an okay thing, but I'll just tell you, he is a, an incredible example of a man who wants God and wants God for others and uh, is on a real journey. You know, he stood before this room full of pastors this week and, you know, had the opening night address. And it was just oozing from him that this man is pursuing intimacy with Jesus. And from that, there's a passion rising for others to know who he knows, you know, and really in tears. You know, and Wayne's not an emotional guy like Curtis. He's... Um, He's much more of a, hey, we don't need it. We don't need to. We don't need to come down on what's been already implied. That was in the, but it's like you know he just was tears streaming down his face. You know, saying that the thing he's most grateful for in his life is a walk at five o'clock in the morning where the presence of Jesus is speaking to him and is joining him and is encouraging him, and uh, his passion is that. Uh, that those who are calling themselves by Jesus' name would know him personally and intimately. And uh, it's real, you know, and I'm grateful for leaders who that's a real thing for. And uh, for the support that we have uh, in examples, you know, I'm really personally grateful for uh, Wayne, Wayne's example of a leader who uh, seeks to provide wisdom without control, who seeks to provide support with release and yeah they've been that to us anyway before i bang on any further and this isn't an axe global promo but we've been with these people this week and so we're just gonna give it a minute but wayne and ruth uh are away for two months uh traveling taking some time out to be with god really just pursuing him in his heart so i just want to pray for them this morning you know they oversee what uh makes life so easy for us and so i just want to pray for them as we start so Father, we just thank you for leaders. 
We thank you that it's always been part of your picture, that we wouldn't walk this journey alone and that you would put people in place with authority and with leadership and with calls that are bigger than ours and with purposes that are bigger than ours. And we just thank you that you have given us a kingdom that we can participate in and that we can slot into and that you've given us this symphony of believers across the world that are playing a, a hundred instruments with a thousand notes and that there is just this 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 plunky note that you've made us to be in a symphony that is just this beautiful song that you're playing and we just thank you for the note you've made us to be but for the instrument that you've called us to participate in and in the symphony that you've included us in and we just thank you for Wayne and Ruth and their greater role than ours in this song that you're playing and we just ask your blessing beyond them we just pray for provision for them we pray for uh, insight we pray for intimacy with you in the time that they have away and that you would just continue to refresh and restore them that you give them new passion for the things that are is on your heart that you'd give them vision and inspiration for the things of the kingdom that you're purposing in Australia in this season and in, and in the, the months to come. So we thank you for people in our world who are seeking your heart that we can trust. And we just confess our trust in you. And we thank you that you've released these leaders over the things that we're a part of. And we just pray you bless them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good to, it's, uh, it's, it's, I've been thinking about a a thought and I'll share it in this moment, uh, but it's not really the thought of the morning. Um, you know, it's like, well, if this thing's all about relationship with Jesus, how can we spend so much time talking about him? Like he's somewhere like in the distance, you know, like when I come to share a truth, like, how come I just spend so much time talking about him? Like he's somewhere else. You know, like so far away or something to know, you know, like we spend so much time, you know, it's like, what is it? What would it look like to just go, you know, we're here to talk about the Jesus who is so present with us. And, and I, I wouldn't even want to talk about him this morning without acknowledging that he's right here. And what does it change for us when we shift our thinking? Because I think I get caught in these defaults. You know, I know the presence of Jesus and I know his help and I know his voice and I know his reality. And then we gather to worship or talk about him. And it's like somehow he ends up at somebody else's gathering. You know, like we talk about him like he's off in heaven getting it done and we're going to go meet him afterwards for lunch. Well, like... Let's like, let's recognize that we're here to commune with him in the things that are on his heart and the things that are on his mind and the things that are in his purpose and the things that are in the word that he's given us to breathe life into our existence. Like, let's just pull him a little bit closer this morning. You know, I feel like we've done that already in worship. We've just, you know, drawn ourselves into the presence of God that's prepared a place for us to be this morning already. So now when we talk about his truths, let's not like distance ourselves and go, well, this is something to know. And we'll relate to him later. Let's like relate to him in the knowing. And let's come like in our relationship with him this morning to discover something that's on his heart, that's on his mind, that's of interest to him, that's, that's of passion to him. And I, I believe that's what we're here to discover. And, and, and I, I don't have the, all the pieces of that, you know, and that, isn't that, a, isn't that the best thing about what we share together on a morning like this is that I come you know, expecting and anticipating that I'm going to find a piece of Jesus coming from Kara, coming from Mel, coming from James, coming from Ange, coming from Soph, coming from Mars. It's like, wow, you know, like the way that Jesus comes and joins us is he joins us and joins us. You know, it's an internal joining 
that allows us to be more broadly joined to the fullness of God because you've joined with him and you brought him with you. You brought him into the room with you. Like he, he, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't come uh, and waited here for us. He came with you to be gathered in his pieces together that we could experience something of him that's expressed through each one of us. And, and when we come and uh, bring the pieces of Jesus together, it's like he's not somewhere else. Actually, he's more fully here than, than me going and sitting in my car and being alone this morning. And it's like, you know, I just, I just want to pull him close because we need him, right? I mean, we want him and that's better than needing him. But when I forget that I want him, sometimes it's a blessing that I need him, you know, because then I remember that I want him because he's just good at his job. And man, he is such a, uh, he's such a uh, profoundly uh, interested God who is just so tender with me. I'm, I need that, you know, in a world where I'm so hard on myself or ask things of myself that he isn't, I, I need him. I don't know if you feel the same way, but it's like, um, um, I'm grateful that in places of uh, tiredness or places of defeat or places of discouragement, I have somewhere to turn. I'm not alone. And, you know, I think uh, we heard uh, speaker this week, I'm going to stop talking about this week in two seconds, but we heard a speaker called, I'll send it, we'll send it around, Chris, we'll find a way to borrow it off of YouTube and send it around. It's totally available. It's just not going to be available for long. So, but his name is, uh, Dr. Robbie Sodding, Sodinger. I'm gonna have a go at it because most people just didn't over the course of the thing. But anyway, he's a, like a trauma psychologist who goes into like war-torn countries and, um, helps people groups move through really difficult things. That's kind of what his thing is. So he's quite a fascinating guy. And he brought a message that talked about um, five characteristics of people who grow through hard things. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the, one of the, uh, one of the, uh, well, the five are hope, faith. Oh man. Uh, kindness, courage. What's the fifth one? Hope, faith, gratitude, gratitude, hope, faith, gratitude, kindness, courage. Those are the five things. And, uh, you know, he talked about hope being a, a confident belief that my tomorrow's going to be brighter than my today. You know, that tomorrow's worth reaching for, that there's something good in my tomorrow. He talked about faith, not being just in God, like that God exists, that that wasn't really enough. And he's, he's building this off of empirical data that, you know, research and study that he, he has done specifically around some people grow through hard things and some people are crushed by hard things. Who are we going to be? And how can we in introduce characteristics into a community of people that are experiencing hard things so that they'll grow and not, not flop. And, uh, yeah, he said, so hope and hopes about, you know, there's some sense of confidence that tomorrow's worth reaching for. Cause it's gonna, there's something good coming. There's something good coming tomorrow. Faith. He said, it wasn't enough to believe in God. It was like, we had to believe that God, uh, had, kindness towards me, love for me, and that he was good, you know, that actually who God is, is good. And actually I can trust him. Yeah. And then talked about, uh, gratitude, you know, being the power of finding the things in whatever circumstance we're in that we can be grateful for, that we can find, you know, uh, to fix our mind on that go, yeah, I'm facing hard things, but gosh, this is great. Isn't it? He talked about kindness, really being an other's focus. 
He said, people who see that no matter what place we find ourselves, we have something to offer to someone else. And what do I have to offer? What a value have I been given in my life that I have to offer of benefit to another? That could be anything. It could be a dinner. It could be time. It could be relationship. It could be wisdom. It could be a breakthrough that you've come through that you see someone else needs. It could be an insight into God. It could be wisdom. It could be finance. This is anything. Just seeing that in my life, I have something of value that I can offer to another and finding a place in my existence where that's important to me. And then the fifth one was courage, you know, basically just hey, we're going to do hard things and I'm, I'm going gonna, gonna to roll on. And I was really encouraged by that. But the thing that, man, I gave you all of those. That wasn't my plan. But um, uh, the, um, the thing that really stuck out to me were, was, um, you know, well, I guess it all did really. I guess it all did really. But probably, probably the, the kindness piece, you know, um, I read a book called Me to We, Me to We, it's a, <laughs> Me to We is written by a Canadian, so <laughs> why'd you laugh? <laughs> you're a Canadian, you're allowed to. Anyway, he's, he's quite a profound individual. He started the Save the Children Foundation when he was like 12 years old. Uh, the person who wrote this book, you know, basically started raising coins in his school to change the lives of children. And, uh, you know, in his mid twenties, he wrote this book and he basically is making the case for the fact that the most satisfying thing is life in life is that we would take our life energy and focus it on making a difference for others. And that there's actually just no greater joy than, uh, despite what I'm facing, finding ways to bring life to others. And look, you know, we can do that from a place of performance or a place of seeking, to be something or get something. But I think the principle in it is, is that no matter what we're facing, we have something of life to offer somewhere in, in a small way. And when we, when we let that become a focus in our life, it brings something, uh, to my own journey, you know, and we don't do that to ignore what's real for me or to push past where I'm at. You know, we do it with the belief that, you know, there's value in this life and, I can, I can make a difference. I think at times, you know, maybe we've lost sight of those things or maybe we've felt like we need to get somewhere to have something to offer. I don't know if you felt like that, but, or maybe our language here can talk about, you know, being formed for a purpose. And so we have nothing of value to offer until we become what we're being formed for. And then once we're formed, we have the good thing to offer. But I think the best thing we have to offer is formation. You know, it's like, it doesn't wait. We're not waiting for something to be done. You know, we're not waiting for something to, you know, in some senses we are, you know, I, I would, you know, Leela described it like this. We were talking about it because I was like, you know, came back and was talking about, you know, there's lots of questions about things. I live in questions. So, um, and, uh, yeah, she was saying, um, I feel like, I feel like as a family, we're like an adolescent, you know, and in, in our adolescence, you know, you need a lot of people who are inputting into who you're becoming. You know, and we have that and have had that as a community. You know, people who see pieces of what you're made for. And no one of those pieces expresses the whole thing, but, you know, they, they, they input things into you. You also try a lot of things on. You also make a lot of mistakes. You're also a little bit unsure of yourself. You know, you know, you know 
I don't want to use any specific people as examples, but just imagine a teenager, you know, somewhere around like 14 years old. You begin to have ideas of what your life might look like. You begin to have ideas of what you might do or what powerful purpose you might exist for or what difference you might make or what job you might do or what how, how you're going to live or you begin to imagine things like maybe having your own family you know those those thoughts start to exist at that age and it's like you're not ready for any of that but you're starting to try things on you know and uh yeah i feel like god is maturing us and growing us and releasing us into something that he's intended for us and and it's okay to be patient in our development but in that it's also okay to try some things on you know, as individuals and as a, as a family, you know, and I think, um, another thing that I'm grateful for, and I'm, this is a long intro, but another thing that I'm grateful for is that God's called us, um, to be a communal people. And if I'm honest, I have a love hate relationship with this because being a communal people is, is hard. It is right. Like, it's hard to see our lives be vulnerable and be exposed to one another. It's hard to walk my tough moments. I, you know, shame causes me to want to hide in my hard moments and, and, and just show up when things are, are on their best, you know. But to trust a group of people who will see me and accept me and love me through good and bad and otherwise, that's a communal people. That's a family. You know, and I think uh, it, in some senses it would just be a lot easier to just release individual ideas of what we could go and do and be. But when God forms something and brings you together for something that you only get in being together in something, that's a little bit messy. It's, it's pretty complicated. It's going to take some time, you know, and, and, and it takes, you know, I was talking to Lisa about this, you know, a couple of weeks, three, but before we went over to New Zealand on zoom, I was talking to her. Um, I can't remember what the theme of the morning was, but, um, but, you know, Lisa was sort of talking about, um, you know, uh, I guess like the way that this family sees you and sticks with you and, um, understands and, and sort of can even reach past maybe sometimes what is clear even for you. Uh, it's not quite what was being talked about, but anyway, Lisa was reflecting on an experience that she had had that hadn't really gone that way where she felt a bit unseen and a bit maybe shut down or a bit misunderstood in a group of people that she's quite close to. She was like, I just, it's clear that this is my people and this is what it's like to be me. You know, and I was reflecting with Lisa going, yeah, but you are that people in that place. You know, and when we have a people who's demonstrating something of maturity, that's dem demonstrating something of grace, that's demonstrating something of truth. And, and we are such an imperfect picture of that. We're a 14 year old trying these things on clumsily. You know, that's how I'd put it. But it's like when, when, when that's my people and then I'm planted somewhere where the people around me aren't that people, it's like now I'm that people in this place. You know, I think about my road with Lisa and it's like I really love Lisa Martin. That's the truth. <laughs> yeah. And I don't love Lisa because she's just my favorite person in the world and she just has always made life easy for me or because she makes really great, you know, cupcakes or cocktails or whatever the case might be. You know, it's, it's not because I need something from Lisa. It's just, I just love Lisa. And part of the love that I have for Lisa is that we face some really hard things together. 
even in our own relationship. You know, Lisa and I, as I would put it, have been to the rodeo a few times. And, and it's not about not having rodeo moments in our journey. It's actually about having rodeo moments and living through to the other side, you know, when things get a little crazy and we're not really too sure if, if, if this is going to be good and, and we can stick with it and stick through and see God in the mix of it. We all are growing, you know, and I think, uh, you know, God's raising up a stick with it kind of people who go, it doesn't have to be easy for it to be good. It doesn't have to be unmessy for it to be valuable. And uh, yeah, I really believe, Craig and Lise, you are those people in the place you find yourself, people who know that you can walk messy with people you love and stick with it even when, you know, it gets complicated. And it's it's an easier thing to live when it's all around you. It's a harder thing to live when you're the main piece of it. Yeah. I think, Marcel, you were reading a book. You made a comment to me out of that book. I can't remember the name of it. But you said um, it's about maturity and about, um, you know, emotional and relational maturity and skills and stuff like that. And you said you were saying that the book was reflecting on the idea that it can be a really challenging thing to be the most mature person where you are. Is that correct? Yes, it's easier to be the least mature person in a more mature system than it is to be the most mature person in a less mature system. Yeah, yeah I think, you know, Greg and Lise, like, that's a big challenge for you guys. And, and I think that truth is at least what we were reflecting on is, you know, when I'm not, when someone else has got a maturity that's going to help see us through, that's an easier place to be than when God's put me in an environment and a system and a relationship network where I'm being called to be the example of maturity. You know, but what a gift that God would be raising up something wonderful and planting it in places and going, this can reproduce, this can reproduce anyway. Yeah, that's stuck with me, sort of. Not quite as well as you remembered it. But, yeah, it's good to have people that read books. Who <laughs> I used to read books, and now I play with toys. <laughs> no, I still read books. It's not as many. Let's look at a verse this morning. We're going to send it straight out for discussion, and then we'll come back and have some thoughts on it. Um, but really, it, it comes it comes full center with this idea of if the whole of this gig is just about a relationship with Jesus, you know, and it plays out communally, you know, that, that it's an important piece. Sometimes the communal pieces of that can take Jesus piece of it. I can be waiting for the system that I'm in to achieve something or attain something or get something to me that the system was never designed to get to me because Jesus is going to bring it and I'm going to bring it to the system. You know, it's like every person here has something important to offer to the system. You know, and sometimes we can be waiting. I'm using Marcel's word now, and I'll, I'll try and come off that and not leverage it. But the, the communal experience that we have is formed by each of our pursuit of Jesus and our reception of him and our contribution of him into what we share together. And I think sometimes we're waiting for uh, the thing that we're a part of to deliver the great purpose or the great outcome. And it's like, I think we need to recognize this is the purpose. This is the outcome. We're in it. We're in it. You know, like the Finding Nemo. Hey, man, have you, where's the EAC? You're in it. Like sometimes you just don't recognize you're in the flow already. 
You're in the flow already. And this is it. You're in it. You know, but what is it for you? What is it for you? Let's, let's look at this first and see what, what it offers to us as we consider this. And then we'll, we'll look at some other verses around it. But it's uh, Colossians 3.23. And it's not in order. Whoever is on the... Oh, yeah, Matthew 3.23. Yeah, it says, whatever you do, whatever your task may be, work from the soul that is putting your very best effort as something done for the Lord and not for men knowing with all certainty that it's from the Lord, not from men, that you will receive the inheritance, which is your greatest reward. It's the Lord Christ whom you actually serve. And we're going to look at this from a couple different angles. But, you know, what, what, let's, I'll read it again, but, you know, what, what does this offer to us? Or what are the first things your mind goes to as you hear this verse? Like, what are the first thoughts you go to as you think about what this is saying? What, what stands out? What grabs your attention? You know, what is it? The f- what's the first thing that you go to consider? The first picture that comes to your mind as you imagine this? Or the first context for application? Sort of any of those are of value in this. But it says, whatever you do, whatever your task may be, work from the soul that is putting your very best effort as something done for the Lord and not for men, knowing with all certainty that it's from the Lord, not from men, that you will receive the inheritance, which is your greatest reward. It's the Lord Christ whom you actually serve. Can we just jump into like groups of three or four? Let's keep them small because we're going to only take 10 minutes here. So let's keep it small, like threes or fours. And let's just, let's talk about this. What stands out or what context of application do I have? Or what consideration comes to my mind as I think of this verse? Maybe, maybe we'll leave it up on the screen or keep it up on your phone or whatever the case might be. So you can sort of have another look at it. But yeah, what, what, what does, what does this inspire in your thinking as, as you consider this idea in uh, Colossians three? Yeah. Well, do we come to some thoughts or considerations on that notion any anything that sort of stood out that we're like oh let's let's kick that one out into the open that needs to be heard doesn't have to be but I'm open to somebody else taking over the message and coming up here and seeing us through <laughs> any thoughts on it anything that sort of popped up that was like oh this hit me new and afresh or oh man this feels like permission or this feels like oh I'm getting a realignment here piece of the puzzle yeah need the constant reminder mm. <laughs> just in time Ange was just talking about how selfish everyone is and <laughs> no and said, and said, there's, it's just an important, it's, an, it's something we need to be frequently reminded of because there's such a selfish drive in us that can make it about a whole bunch of other things and pride that rises up that sort of tells its own story and takes its own path. And there's, there's a, yeah, a beautiful reminder in this of what it's really about. Yeah, that's good. Anybody else? Anything else? Sort of pop up out of our, there's a lot, I'm sure, but yeah. I mean, there's a few good thoughts. Yeah. Oh, yep. Yeah, okay, Curtis, let's have it. We had some good chats. Yeah. But I think um, 
yeah, for me, like there's such a anxiety, a, a, a level, um, and sometimes it's hidden, but it's like a threshold of anxiety that I live in when I'm, when I demand, like I'm, I'm happy to add God's opinion in as part of the, you know, like what he thinks of my work or what I'm doing or whatever. Like I'm happy to add that in, but it, it's always like an add in or often I can find myself adding it in to w also what everyone else yeah. thinks. And it's like, it's like you can't have two masters almost like it's like that, right. that wrestle. And, and so I feel a certain level of anxiety around like you know as i'm reading it i'm like uh and right. sometimes i feel like this kind of scripture can be really instructional but i was saying to the guys i feel like it's really like it's really handing me freedom from right. the anxiety yeah because it's like hey you do work for other people you do have this he says like like but but act or as if you are right working for the lord not for men it's like it's like yeah. he's not and, and so that fits in any scenario yeah you know whoever you're working for whatever you're mm. doing you can actually it's not pretending but it's like it's look at it like mm. it's for the lord and then and then i feel like the, the thing on offer is the gift on offer yes is inheritance uh and but is also like this peace from mm. this anxiety that mm. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, this is found in the flow of the passage that says, servants, obey your masters. This is the instructions for households. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Servants, obey your masters. That's the flow that we're in impulse teaching here. And then he culminate, Ben, watch it. You said a lot without saying anything. Sometimes you say a lot without saying anything. But anyway, never mind. You spend your brownie points how you like, mate. It's all up to you. <laughs> <laughs> but it was satisfying for everyone. <laughs> anyway, yeah, and and I think um, I think what you're saying is true, Curtis. Like he's not. This isn't throwing us a trump card to go. I don't work for you. I work for the Lord. It's is saying within the system in which you find yourself, focus your attention on serving God, no matter whom you work for. And you know, I mean. Um, you know, the, 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 a powerful place that this exists is children obey your parents because it's pleasing to the Lord and it'll bring a blessing and a promise. I mean, that's, you know, six verses up from this is Paul's reminder of that. But it's like, you know, God puts us in a system to practice, you know, and it starts out with children and parents. And it also says to the parents, hey, parents, don't, you know, subject your children to too many, uh, don't rattle your kids with the little things, see them see what they need. And so this is, this is, it's this, it's this picture that God, you know, God's encouraging amongst his people to go, let's, let's, let's be connected. But in all that we're doing, let's keep a singular focus that the heartbeat of our life is that our existence would serve God. Whether I'm a dad, whether I'm a mom, whether I'm a school teacher, whether I'm a camp person, whether, you know, whatever I'm doing, wherever I am, the heartbeat of my life is that this would serve. I think one of the things that stood out to me in this is that it's like, that's a good filter. You know, God, does this serve you? You know, does it, does it serve you? Does this serve you? You know, and, you know, I think, uh, the book Jack by Jack Frost from spiritual slavery to spiritual sonship, you know, it says, uh, one of the major questions it asks is whose mission are you on? And basically says, you know, an orphan will be on a mission to serve himself and everything will be about me. Everything will be to serve where I'm going, what I'm doing, what I need. You know, my focus will be that this would serve me. That says a son serves the father. 
and takes on an attitude that says that this life would serve you would be enough. And I find myself doing things from that attitude or that disposition that there's that, that has value that there'd be no value in if that wasn't my mission, if my mission wasn't to serve the Father. And we know that this was Jesus' mission, you know. Uh, I mean, he says in John chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus answered them, uh, my father is getting in trouble for working on the Sabbath. He's, you know, doing miracles again and all that horrible stuff that he came and did. And, you know, people are going, what is this guy doing, doing this stuff on Sunday? And, and this is, this is his response in it. You know, he says, Jesus answered them. My father has been working until now. He's never ceased working. And I too am working. This made the Jews more determined than ever to kill him, for not only was he breaking the Sabbath from their viewpoint, but he was also calling God his own father, making himself an equal with God. So Jesus answered them by saying, I assure you and most solemnly say to you that the son can do nothing of himself of his own accord, unless it's something he sees the father doing. For whatever things the father does, the son in his turn also does in the same way. For the father dearly loves the son and shows him everything that he himself is doing, and the father will show him greater works than these so that you will be filled with wonder. Yeah, and I think the example we have in Jesus is he didn't come to do his own thing. He came to do the father's thing. His life was fully about the mission of the father. He wasn't defining for himself or determining for himself what was going to be of value or what was going to be important. He lived as a son serving the vision of the father that this life would serve you. You know, and I think when we take this passage that says, whatever you do, work out it with your whole heart. And remember, you're working for God, not for men. And your inheritance is going to come from him, not from these people around you. It's like, wow, that my life could serve him becomes like this invitation. And that that, that doesn't require uh, a ministry degree. It doesn't require me running some spiritual program. It's just the life that I live wherever I am, whatever I'm doing. And I mean, I guess for me, this became really apparent in my story because I was like, God, I just want to serve you. I want to do whatever you're doing. And, you know, he took me out of ministry and he dropped me into snooze selling beds. You know, like I'm running a camp and I'm running a discipleship program. That's where I met Curtis out there. You know, we're running a ministry that was growing and it was vibrant and it was changing lives and saving souls in a summer ministry. And then it was, you know, taking heathens like Curtis and trying to turn them into Jesus followers and make this relationship real and walking at a year long discipleship journey in the mix of doing ministry. These are the things I'm doing. And God goes, I want you to move to Geelong. And I was like, I did not want to go. I did not want to go. I was like, no. And I mean, even in the process of going, I said, God, you better have something like this ministry for me there. I did. I said it to him. I'm driving out of, you know, this big ministry event that we had just done. And I'm like, God, you better have something like this for me in Australia. Why? We got over here, planted ourselves in Geelong, knew, knew, knew no one. Life was falling to pieces. I'm working at Captain Snooze, as it was called in the day, selling beds, serving Jesus. Because that's what would serve him. In that season and in that moment, and you know why that was? Is because God was serving me and my family. He saw what we needed and he saw where we were going and he saw the path and he saw what was going to stand in its way and he put the right thing in at the right time. You know, that's not the only time that it looked like this whole serving God thing had nothing to do with God. You know, I, I um, you know, worked in lawn care for a time. I worked in corporate recruitment. God save the people with corporate in their title. You know, it's like... None of these were holy things, but all of them were service-based things. 
you know, God was calling my life into places and spaces that would serve him. And I don't can stitch it all together for you. Why? But it's like, I think we need a permission to go. The whole of life is holy and purposed when we give God his place. And when we do what the father's doing, it's a value to him. And, and I can live no matter what I'm doing, serving him. But it begs the question, does this serve you? Does this serve you? And, and if it serves him, then you do it wholeheartedly and be there and be in it and receive from it and give to it and be in it and know that God's in it with you is the only place, you know, like there's no bad place to be if he's with me, right? You know, like Psalm 23, lo, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but I fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. You know, when I face a dark place and Jesus isn't there, that's not a good place to be. That's not a good place to be. That, you know, there are, there are valleys where he isn't with me, but when he's with me, there's nothing that can't serve his purpose. There's nothing that can't be of, of good value. And when I find myself in the place of service, you know, the whole of, the whole of my life is made that I would receive an inheritance from him because my life served him. Colossians, the passage before this, Colossians 3, 12 to 17 really sets us up so well for this. I mean, I, I feel like we could just read the whole of Colossians this morning together and it would just be a blessing to us. I just would. I sat there this morning and I went, wait a second. Maybe we just start at chapter one and just spend the next four months in Colossians. Like it's a blessing. Like if, if you haven't taken some time to read Colossians properly, just maybe, maybe this week make that a thing. But Colossians 3, 12 to 17 says, so as God's chosen people, who are holy, set apart, sanctified for his purpose and well-beloved by God himself. Let's start there. That's our identity. This is who we are. This is who we are. That's not something we're trying to become. That's not something we're trying to attain. That's not something we're trying to achieve. That's not something we're trying to resolve. This is who we are. We are God's chosen people, holy, set apart, sanctified for his purpose and well-beloved by God himself. God has set you apart for a purpose that he has made your life for. You are his and he loves you. That's the reality. Man, that is a starting point. That's a, that's a Monday morning confession, right? Oh God, here I am set apart for your purpose, chosen by you, loved by you and ready for my week. Man, I, I need to, I, I need to like, you know, someone needs to phone me with that on every Monday morning. James, maybe that could be your new gig. Brad, I just wanted to remind you, you know, I mean, we need that, right? We need to be reminded of who we are. That's our starting point for this consideration, that we are those who are chosen and set apart for a purpose and loved by God. Like, that's us. And then from there, it says, now, now take that and put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, which has the power to endure whatever injustice or unpleasantness comes with good temper bearing graciously with one another and willingly forgiving each other. If one has a cause for complaint against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so should you forgive. There's, there's a lot in this. We don't unpack it all, but oh man, I would just like to sit in that for a second, wouldn't we? Like that's a people I just want to be a part of. That's, that is a people who can deal with some mess. That's a people that the world needs. There's a people that there are some people just need a friend like this. Beyond all these things, put on and wrap yourself in unselfish love, which is the perfect bond of unity for everything is bound together in agreement. When each one seeks the best, when each one seeks the best for others, let the peace of Christ, you know, here, here, here becomes our, 
our state of being. You know, let the peace of Christ, the inner calm of one who walks daily with him. You know, I think sometimes we look for the peace of Christ to become because I made the right decision and I'm doing the right thing. The peace of Christ doesn't come in the big decisions. The peace of Christ comes in the daily walk. Like, it's not something that comes because two years ago I chose to do the right thing and now I'm following my call and my purpose and I found the thing. The peace of Christ comes because today I'm walking with you. Yeah. Inner calm of one who walks daily with him. Let the peace of Christ, the inner calm of one who walks daily with him, be the controlling factor in your hearts. I mean, a lot of other things control us. Let this be the controlling factor in your hearts, deciding and settling questions that arise. To this peace, indeed, you are called as members of one body of believers and be thankful to God always. Let the spoken word of Christ have its home within you, dwelling in your heart and mind and permeating every aspect of your being as you teach spiritual things and admonish and train one another with all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do, no matter what it is, or in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus and in dependence on him, giving thanks to the God, to God, the father through him. It's like, man, this is a life mission statement. I want to live. I want to be this man. I want to be a part of this family. I want to receive the teaching and admonishing and training from one another, the wisdom that comes in being in life together. You know, I think, I think we need a release. I think we need to release uh, these lives that we share together. You know, I think we're not here to serve man. You're not here to serve me. You're not waiting for something or someone to accomplish what gives you meaning or gives you purpose. It's Christ himself. Who's given you purpose. He's chosen you. He set you apart. You are his. He's putting wisdom into your life. He's releasing things that'll teach. He's releasing wisdom to you. He's releasing life in you. And it's like, we need the permission to let Jesus be Jesus in our life. Yes. We're called to live under masters. Yes. We're called to live in communal existence, but always that Christ would be served. Always that my focus would be on him, that my life would be so caught up in serving him, that the things that he's pouring in are pouring out, that the things that he's doing are contributing, that the, that the thing that I'm in isn't what I wait. I'm not waiting for someone to praise me. I'm not waiting for someone to tell me my life is good. I'm not waiting for someone to give me my purpose. I am walking with Christ and this life serves him. And my inheritance is coming. It's the peace I live with. It's the things I walk in. And I'm believing for a good thing to come in the life that God's given me. And I know that the places he calls me are full of purpose because it serves him. If it serves you, I'll be here, wherever here is. And I'm not waiting for one thing unless that one thing is Jesus Christ. You're not waiting for this church to release the purpose in your life. You're not waiting for this to be the ministry to which you define your meaning. Christ has already done that. It's him you serve wherever you are and in whatever you're in. And there is no place you find yourself. If he says it serves him, that's a powerful place to be. It's like be where your heart can serve him, whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing, you know, and that those are kingdom minded people. You know, the, the greatest ministers in the world today, most of them aren't pastors. This is people doing life, Right people who would live a life serving God. It's like, anyway, enough. We're going far enough. Yeah. Well, whatever we do, 
wherever we find ourselves, it can serve him if it serves him. And the good thing is, 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 is when we consider our life through this lens and through this channel, it's like it adjusts us to what does serve him. You know, life is constantly full of changes. I feel it again in my life at the moment. Like, God, this has, the place I've been has served you, but you're calling me into something else. Something's, I'm not leaving. That's not, praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. I'm stuck with, you're stuck with me. I didn't point directly at Curtis. But he is, he's stuck with me. That's the truth. But anyways, but I feel like, I feel like, God, you're changing this again. Like it, I, it's requiring an open-mindedness for me to see what in this next season is going to serve him. And Leela and I are feeling like, man, you know, we need to go away for a couple of weeks. We need to get a rest. We need to see life through fresh eyes and we need to evaluate, God, what's going to serve you? Cause this has served him. It's, it's, this is serving him, but it's like, well, God, what, what would serve you? You know? And I think as we walk in our lives in that way, it's an adventure. It's, a, it's, it is. You know, and uh, a fruit-filled adventure. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know what time it is. I think we're going to cut to worship. I think it's a good idea. I mean, we can go back to discussion, but I think we chewed on this. He does. He says it. He says it. And I think, you know, I think the release in this is uh, that you should expect that something powerful is going to come from a life that's serving him. You should expect that on your life is a purpose and a call that is precious to God, that he is stewarding, that he's forming, that he's releasing. And no person is going to accomplish that for you. And no position is going to attain that on your behalf. It's just that your life would serve him. And let's count on that being a powerful path, no matter what it looks like no matter what it looks like. All right, let me pray. Father, we just thank you for the lives that you've given us for the Mondays and the Tuesdays and the Wednesdays and the Thursdays. We just thank you for the day to day to day to day life that you've presented us with as an opportunity to serve you. We ask you to take these lives that you'd align us to your purpose, to your desire, to your heart, that we would be those who are seeking your inheritance, that we'd be seeking your praise, that these lives would be set apart to serve you. That in our everyday life, no matter what we find ourselves in, no matter what we're doing, that we would find this opportunity to go, God, would this serve you? Father, would you align our lives to that which does serve you? Would you show us in this week opportunities of what would serve you? We just thank you that, that there's no day, there's no week that sits outside of a place of powerful purpose to go, God, this is yours. Would you have it? Or would you take our schedules? Would you take our finances? Would you take our relationships? Would you take our families? And would you take this family and would you let it serve you? As this heart beats to say, God, would you have this daily life? And would it serve you? In the name of Jesus. Thank you, God, that for each one of us, you're close, that you've got a love for us and a purpose and that you've chosen us. And we receive that wholeheartedly and offer back to you a life of service. Pray it in your name. Amen.